The Audacity to Podcast is now five years old, and these are the biggest lessons I've learned from professionally podcasting for the last five years. Welcome to The Audacity to Podcast, episode 223. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. And the Audacity to Podcast is now five years old as of June 17th, 2015. I launched with the first episode, episode number one, where I talked about you need pod, P-O-D, to podcast on June 17th, 2010. And pod was something I held on to for a while with the branding. I said, you need passion, organization, and dialogue. Now I look back at that and I'm thinking, I was just trying to do that to kind of be cute and quaint with the pod and podcasting. And you don't need an iPod, but you do need pod and that kind of stuff. Now I look back and I think, oh, that was just so cute. Like I would with the little child of a podcast that it was back then. But I have shared my story before about how podcasting led from a hobby to a dream, and that was back in episode 84 of the Audacity to Podcast, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode, number 223, at com slash five years, if you want to check that out, and also follow along in the show notes for any links and resources I mention. But it was a year after I launched the Audacity to Podcast, almost exactly a year, that then I started my full-time entrepreneurship, designing websites with podcasting, consulting, and podcasting, trying to be an internet entrepreneur and using my podcast to support the business. I discuss that transition a lot more in the episode 84 linked in the show notes. But in the five years since I launched the Audacity to Podcast, I've learned some important lessons about business and growing my audience. Thus, because this is my fifth year anniversary for the Audacity podcast, and it's not a special milestone number like 200, 250, 300, anything like that. I do want to get a little bit introspective with this episode, but I want to share what you can learn from my experience. This isn't just going to be about me and what I did in the last five years with the Audacity podcast, but I want you to learn something from this as well. You can learn from my mistakes, or you can learn from the lessons I've learned along the way in podcasting, especially podcasting as a business. Even if you're not podcasting as part of your business or trying to make money with your podcast, I think you will still find some help here because when I first launched the Audacity to Podcast, I didn't plan to make it a business. It was after I launched the show that I decided and realized this is the missing piece to launch my business and achieve some of these goals. Now, this is five years of the audacity to podcast. I've been podcasting, actually, though, since 2007. So I've been in podcasting now for eight years and have really been enjoying it and learned a lot of stuff since then. And it wasn't, as you can tell, until three years after I started podcasting that I really started looking at it professionally. And that's when I started putting myself out there as, I think I know what this is and how to present this information. So these are five lessons I've learned from those five years of taking podcasting seriously and professionally 
as part of my business or growing my business because of my podcast. Number one, set goals and make plans. When I first launched the Audacity to Podcast, I knew that I wanted to go with the theme of podcasting. And I knew where I wanted to go with the podcast. I had a list of about 35 topics that I would cover in upcoming episodes. I have covered most of those original 35 at this point, but there are still a few of those 35 that I still haven't covered yet because I've had other ideas along the way, or I've wanted to prepare more research. I've wanted certain aspects of the industry to settle down before I approach an episode. But I knew exactly where I wanted to go with the podcast itself and its content. But I didn't exactly know where I wanted to go with my business. I didn't really have plans. I did kind of have goals. But as I say a lot, goals without plans are merely dreams that will never be realized. So what I recommend for you is for your podcast, brainstorm a list of all of your upcoming episodes or your next several episodes that you can consider following that list or uh, breaking yourself from that list. It's fine if you want to do it that way. But in episode 195, I did talk about how to brainstorm topic ideas for your future podcast episodes. And it really helps with not just giving you a goal that I'm going to have 50 episodes this year, but it can give you a portion of a plan to know episode one will be about this. Episode two is that. Episode three is that. It's okay if you change that as you go, but that's some form of a plan. If your podcast is part of a business plan, like the Audacity to Podcast became for me, then you definitely need plans for your goals. My story was that the Audacity to Podcast was the missing piece to help me get from where I was, a full-time employee as a web designer, to where I wanted to be, and that would be full-time self-employed web designer. Back then, my business was primarily web design. Everything I saw was web design. That's why I knew how to do really well. And I was thinking, as many of us do, what do I know how to do? What can I do well? And that was web design. So the podcast was a marketing aspect for the business. The podcast could promote the business of web design because podcasters need websites designed. They need good-looking websites. They need other aspects of design like podcast cover art and such. I no longer do that myself. And that is a very recent decision to cut design from the services that I personally offer. However, with that decision does also come a list of referrals that if you're still interested in working with me on design, I can refer you to some resources or some people whom I trust to know the needs of podcasters and design good stuff for podcasters. Because there are a lot of designers out there, but many of them don't really know how to design well for podcasters. And there are a lot of thieves out there, primarily on a website like Fiverr, who in a way don't know how to design at all. I think Fiverr is great for some things, just not design. Please don't hire a, f- a designer from Fiverr because they're just not very good designers and they're often stealing stuff from other people that can make you responsible for the copyrighted imagery that they stole. So just keep that in mind. Voiceover work, other work from Fiverr, great. Just not designers, please, <laughs> not designers. Now, I do have a more clear vision of where I want to go with my business than I did back then. Back then, for the first 
three years or so of my business, I really didn't know where I wanted to go. I knew I could design websites and that could pay well, but it would also take a lot of time. And I wouldn't be able to build my audience and grow my podcast while I'm trying to design websites. And there was consulting and some other stuff, affiliate links and these other things. I didn't exactly know where I wanted to go with my business. I was basically drifting my way through entrepreneurship for the first couple or few years. But now I do have a more clear vision of what I want to do with my business. And that's why I'm making this move to Phoenix. My wife and I are in in agreement that that will be a great decision for us to move to Phoenix. Maybe we'll be in Phoenix by the time you're hearing this episode. But my business goals and my purpose in my business now comes down to this. I make solutions for people to share their passions and find success through podcasting. And I do that through products and services to help others launch and improve their own podcasts. That's what I do. Public speaking is a big part of that and something I want to do even more of, creating products and resources like my video training on how to make your podcast findable and grow your audience with SEO for podcasters is just the beginning of the products and resources and special tutorials that I'll put out there. I have some big things planned that will not only help you start or improve your podcast, but also help you to accomplish greater things with your podcast or things after you've started your podcast. So this is my number one recommendation. Set goals and make plans. You really need to have goals for your podcast. Why is it that you're doing what you're doing? What do you hope to accomplish with this? They can be goals just as your hobby. You just want to have fun with every episode. You want to have fun or you want to grow your audience or something like that. You want your hobby to pay for itself. It could be anything like that. Your goals could be you want your podcast to support your business or you want your podcast to be your business, anything like that. Those can be your goals and your plans are how you get to those goals and how you work toward accomplishing those goals on a daily basis. I've done some things recently that I've realized, wow, this is something that's working in helping me achieve my goals. I'm going to experiment with doing more of this in the future to see how that works out for me. That's number one lesson, set goals and make plans. Number two, monetize early. It's totally okay if you don't want to monetize your podcast, but if you do want to monetize your podcast or you know you someday want to monetize your podcast, then start as early as possible. This not only gets your audience used to you're monetizing your content and your podcast in some way, but this can also give some great momentum for profit further in the future. Like I think about what if I'd created a video product a couple years ago when I, or a few years ago when I first started the podcast and that product has been selling since then. Well, then I'd be in a very different place today than I was back then. As An old proverb goes, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So you're not too late to start monetizing your podcast. Here are some basic ways that you could start right away monetizing your podcast, even from episode one. Start with some of these things. Make a product. This doesn't have to be something fancy or big. You can keep it simple and small enough that your audience won't feel like they're taking a big risk by buying this product. So it could be something like a $1 bonus episode 
or maybe a $5 ebook or a $10 video guide or, or anything else that's relevant to your audience and is at a low price point. You could sell it through PayPal, you could sell it through some other system, ClickBank, or anything really that works and gets the job done. You don't have to worry about making it complicated, security certificates for your website and processing, accepting credit card payments and delivery and all of this stuff. Just make it simple, something early on that people can purchase from you, something that's of high value, but a simple low dollar figure that they can get early on. That not only builds momentum for other products that you might create in the future, but it builds momentum for you. Because when you make that first dollar from selling something, whatever it is, it can get addicting in a good way. Realizing, whoa, I just made a dollar in my sleep. I came to my email from eating lunch and I made a dollar. Yeah, it's not a lot. A dollar is not going to pay many bills, if any, out there. But it is a start for something. And a product is a great scalable idea of a way to monetize your podcast because it doesn't matter if you're selling one product or a thousand products, your amount of work on that product is the same. And so that's my recommendation is find something that you can scale if you're trying to make a product. So it's not something you're shipping out yourself where if you get a thousand orders overnight, then you don't get to sleep that night. But something that if you get a thousand orders, they're all processed automatically, simply. There are easy ways to do that. Some easy setups and plugins for WordPress or standalone systems, all kinds of options out there for that. You could also use affiliate links for everything possible. You probably already know this, but try to monetize any product links that you can. Don't get into this mindset that you can only recommend a product if you have an affiliate link for it. But for every product you recommend or mention, try to have an affiliate link for it. Amazon.com is the easiest affiliate program to use because a lot of people shop on Amazon.com. It seems everything is available on Amazon.com. And it's really easy to create affiliate links for Amazon.com and track those with different podcasts or different ventures that you might have. I also recommend a plugin that you can use to create Amazon affiliate links on your website even better, faster, more powerfully, more attractively and such. I have the link to a video where I describe how to set that up in the show notes for this episode number 223 at the slash five years. You could also join a high-paying affiliate program that you almost treat as a sponsor with your podcast, but you need to be careful about your language to not say, this is sponsored by, or you could say something like, it's made possible by, or it's brought to you by. Look at the language and the terms for these different places. Something that's really popular is web hosting affiliates, because you can make 65 to to $100 or more with web hosting referrals. And that's easy to get, and it's also pretty easy to recommend, especially if you are using the web hosting company. And you can say, I use Bluehost, or I use HostGator, or I use WP Engine, or anything like that. Even though these pay well, they may not matter to your audience, because your audience may not be interested in starting a website. I've experimented with this on my TV show fan podcast for ABC's drama Once Upon a Time. And I've referred people to my Bluehost affiliate link over there and said things like this episode is made possible in part by Bluehost, get your own website. I I do a commercial basically for them using my affiliate link. 
And the response was almost nothing with an audience of a few thousand people. Almost nobody bought it. But there was something more relevant, and that was Audible's affiliate program. And if you go to the audacitypodcast.com slash audible, you can sign up for their affiliate program where you get $15 for every free trial that you refer to them. So that is when people sign up for a free trial, they don't pay anything. You still get $15 from that. When I use that with our audience for the Once podcast, that saw a lot more action. And later on, Audible did consider sponsoring us and did sponsor us for a few episodes. And that worked out pretty well for us and for them as well, because it was relevant. Now here on the Audacity podcast, if I mention starting your podcast website with HostGator at theaudacitypodcast.com slash HostGator, or I could tell you about how impressed I was with the simplicity and speed and power of running your website on WP Engine and sign up at theaudacitypodcast.com slash WP Engine. These are products and services that are more relevant to you. So it's more likely that you as a listener to the Audacity Podcast might sign up for one of these but maybe not sign up for Audible as an actual customer, but you might sign up as an affiliate. And I do actually get paid when people sign up as an affiliate through my affiliate link at theaudacitypodcast.com slash audible. So look for these high-paying affiliate programs that are extremely relevant to your audience. Look for something that pays 20 30% or even more than that. You could also participate in relevant joint ventures or sometimes called JVs. These can be great opportunities to grow your own business or make decent income by helping someone else grow their business. Consider partnering on a webinar, some kind of product creation that you work on together, or a special launch of a new product. And just ensure that these JV opportunities do make sense for your own audience and your own content and that you truly believe in the product or service. I'm approached quite often with JV opportunities, and many of them I just have to respectfully decline because it's a product or it's a service that I can't fully believe in. I can't get behind, or I see that they need to do more development than I'm comfortable recommending people to go there at this point in their development. So do what you actually believe in, and that makes sense for your audience. One other thing that you could start from the beginning that's now very easy to do is some kind of crowdfunding campaign like with Patreon or Joyride where people can donate to your podcast very easily. You don't have to try to create donate buttons on your website and work with different systems there and the complications and the ugly design and such. But your donation platform could be through Patreon or Joyride or something like that where people commit to donate on a monthly basis, which is really what you as a podcaster need because you have monthly expenses, your web hosting, your media hosting, certain plugins or services you pay for, mypodcastreviews.com, you pay for that maybe, things like that. So when you get someone to commit to 25 cents per month or a dollar per month or something like that, it's a very low entry point for them, but they're not just giving you a dollar. They're giving you $12 in a year. Or if it's $10 a month, they're giving you $120 a year. Look at it that way. Look at the long-term benefit. And these platforms also give you the ability to present content exclusive to people who donate to your podcast through these platforms. 
It could be if they donate at a certain level, they get access to bonus content or they get the unedited version or they get your bloopers or they get behind the scenes photos or they get an episode a day before everyone else gets it. Anything like that. There are many great ideas out there and many things you should look at. Just browse through what other people are doing on Patreon and Joyride to see some of the ideas that others are implementing and what's working well for them and what isn't working and see how they're promoting it on their sites. So these are several ideas of how you can start monetizing as soon as you start with your podcast. You don't have to wait until you're 100 episodes in or until you have 5,000 or 10,000 downloads per episode to get a sponsor. You could start making money right from the beginning. And in fact, you could even make more money from these different ideas in the beginning with a small audience than you could years from now with a large audience and a sponsor. Just look at someone like John Lee Dumas with Entrepreneur on Fire. Whether you love him or hate him, look at his income reports and you'll see that yes, he does make a lot of money from podcast sponsorships. And that's because of the size of his audience, how many episodes he's putting out there and how many sponsorships he has. And especially because the people who hear those sponsorship placements are taking taking action on those sponsorships and actually making money for the sponsor. And that's why the sponsors are coming back. But if you look at the income reports, that's just a fraction of his income. He gets most of his income from things beyond just the podcast. It's his products and services outside of that, the stuff that scales really well, regardless of his audience size. That's where he's making more money. So if you can start that early on, then that would be better. Don't launch with a $1,000 product unless you really believe in it and you're already starting at a high level. But if you're doing this as a hobby, maybe start with a $1 bonus episode or $1 exclusive tips or something like that. It could even be like a t-shirt or swag or something that makes sense for your fan community. I have another episode where I talked all about product ideas for your podcast. You can get that link in the show notes at the com slash five years. So this is lesson number two, monetize early. I really wish that when I started the Audacity to Podcast, I was monetizing it directly with products in the beginning. Because if I was selling a training course back then, then people would be more used to buying training courses from me now. But it does take some time to get into the niche and really recognize what the needs are. And so I couldn't have launched a $500 training course or a $2,000 training course or anything like that when I first started because really, I was nobody in the podcasting space when I first started. I just felt like I had something to say and that's why I started the Audacity to Podcast. Not because I wanted to monetize it, but I do wish that I monetized as early as I could as soon as I started. Number three, respect other perspectives. This may be hard, but recognize that there is usually wisdom in the opinions and perspectives of others. Here are a couple examples from my own experience. When I named my company D. Joseph Design, Joseph, by the way, is my middle name, so it's Daniel Joseph Lewis. D. Joseph Design I named because I heard someone, I misunderstood something someone said. So I I named my company sort of after my name, and I thought the look of D. Joseph looked really cool, like using my first initial there and middle name like that. I thought that looks really elegant and 
really fancy and really nice and respectable. So I called it DJs of Design. Some friends of mine around that time said that people would probably call me Joseph. And I dismissed that thought thinking, no, my name is going to be in the email signature. I'm going to introduce myself as Daniel and my name is on my business cards and all of this stuff. No. About 10% of the people I would talk to, sometimes directly through email, sometimes I'd be giving them my business card. For some reason, they see a name in the title of my company and they call me that. So they would see Joseph and they would call me Joseph or Joe. And that just blew my mind to realize, okay, yeah, they, they did that. So don't name my company after a name if you don't want to be called that name, if it's a, if it's a proper name like Joseph. Still, though, to this day, when I introduce myself as Daniel, still people call me Dan, which please don't call me Dan. I really don't like being called Dan. So if someone introduces themselves as a name, call them that name, please. Also, with my special, maybe cunning title, The Audacity to Podcast, the special double entendre there and double meaning to it, the courage, the guts, the power to podcast. And I emphasize that branding more now in my new video intro there. If you haven't seen my videos yet that I've been doing from New Media Expo and NAB Show 2015, go over to the audacity to podcast.com slash iTunes video or slash YouTube and subscribe to my separate video show where I have these video interviews and video reviews. And I love the new video branding that I've got that helps emphasize that it starts off saying the guts and or giving you the guts and teaching you the tools. It starts out with that branding and then also has in the same logo, the guts, the courage, the boldness, the power to podcast. And that's where it goes into saying the audacity to podcast. So I'm trying to strengthen that branding or help redirect that branding there, but it's always had a double meaning. But from the beginning, the audacity to podcast was always intended to be primarily about podcasting, but I would frequently feature Audacity because I felt like several of the other podcasts about podcasting at that time were not talking specifically about Audacity. They were talking about how to do things in other programs, and then they would say something like, I'm sure you can do that in Audacity. And I felt like I wanted to be that person to say how you do it in Audacity. So that's why I had the double meaning. And as you can tell through the years, I have been a lot about the guts, the courage, the power to podcast. And so the branding still really applies the audacity to podcast to this day though by having the word audacity in the title of the podcast it still has instant connotations to many people and i would say that at least half of the people that i talk to when i introduce them to my podcast saying the audacity to podcast they think it's about the audacity software and that's when I feel like slapping my forehead and saying, yep, I should have listened to some of the opinions of other people back at the beginning. I even remember Dave Jackson. I, I was amazed the day that I was mowing the yard and I was listening to School of Podcasting, one of the few, very few other ongoing podcasts about podcasting back in 2010. I was listening to his show and he mentioned the audacity to podcast. And he mentioned me and I was just amazed because he was this person I had never met before, never communicated with. And he was saying something about me and kind of to me in his podcast. And I was blown away by that. 
And I remember, though, back then he said something like he's four episodes into this and he hasn't talked about Audacity yet. And one of the early iTunes reviews said that as well. So that's that head slapping moment that I realized, okay, I, I maybe I should have stayed away from anything like that. It's kind of like that trademark issue where if your trademark or if you're doing something that is similar to someone else's trademark and it can be confused with someone else's trademark, that's when you have a problem. I ran into that with my design for our Once Upon a Time podcast. I had intentionally designed it to look very close to the Disney branding. Now I look back and think, what was I thinking? I was being so stupid about that. But I spent hours and hours finding the exact font that they were using. And everyone else on the internet was actually wrong about what font ABC and Disney were using for the branding for Once Upon a Time. But I found one that looked exactly like it. And it might be the exact font. or It's very close, but it's definitely not the font everyone else was recommending because of the finer little details in the fonts that I could see. So I designed a logo and I purchased an image from a stock photo site that looked very similar to their image. I colored it very similarly, but I wanted a little bit brighter of some colors. And one day I got a nice little email from Disney's lawyers saying, "Uh, your design looks too similar to ours and it looks official and it looks affiliated with us. We need you to stop doing that. They didn't want me to stop podcasting. They just wanted to stop my design and my branding looking like theirs. So we worked together on several little details I could change that my design could still look similar and still look associated, but not affiliated with them. So now people see the branding and it's more obvious that we're not officially affiliated with them. And I think anyone who has a fan podcast, though, will always receive those emails from people saying, hey, can I be on your show? I'm a great actor. I'd love to play this part. Or, hey, I think here's what you should do with the TV show. And we have to email them back saying, sorry, we don't actually write for the show. We're just fans of the show and we have an unofficial podcast. Really, I think some people just go out there. They find a website, the first result that shows up in Google, and they send an email to that site, not knowing anything about what that site is about or how affiliated or official that site is, that happens a lot to me. Jeff Roney, I'm sure you get that too with your Once Upon a Time fan podcast at onceuponatimepodcast.com. You probably get that as well. But I should have listened to some of these outside opinions on my branding and perspectives a little bit more, and then I could have made something that would have not only been stronger for me, but would have had fewer connotations with others. I'm not violating any trademarks because I'm in a completely different industry. But still, because there is some association, people think in their minds, oh, you talk about the program Audacity. Or when I tell people my podcast is called The Audacity to Podcast, a common response is, oh yeah, I used Audacity once. So think about that. Ask other people. A great tip, and I think it was Dave Jackson, whom I first heard say this, is to tell your podcast name to someone else and ask them what they think the podcast is about just from the name. And if they get it right, then you know you've got a great name. If they think it's something else, then you probably don't have a good name. Or maybe you need to expand that name with some kind of subtitle, like the ramen noodle clean comedy, something like that. And 
You need to be careful, though, with the opinions of others. Always be respectful. Always respect the other perspectives because they are coming from certain experiences and they are valuable. But when you hear an opinion from only one person, I do recommend that you consider it, but don't chase every little piece of advice you get from every person out there. It could just be they want you to podcast like they would want to podcast, or they want you to run your business the way they want you to run your business. But when you do hear the same opinion from more than one person, that's when you should give more thought to this and consider what you might need to do to improve something about your podcast. Because if more than one person is giving you that feedback and it's very similar, then it's also likely that there are others out there who feel the same thing and just haven't said anything yet. So there could be some great ways that you could improve based on that feedback. There's a a proverb in the Bible that talks about how in the the multitude of witnesses or multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. And by two or three people, a matter is confirmed. And that's why even today in court of law, we have that witnesses need to agree on certain details. And when different witnesses agree on the same detail, then you know that detail is correct. But when they disagree or you start getting different perspectives, or you see that one is clearly disagreeing with five other people, that's when you can start to distinguish what's true and what's false. So this is number three lesson, respect other perspectives. Number four, pursue uniqueness, but don't fear similarity. I certainly wasn't the first podcast about podcasting, and even to this day, I'm not the most popular podcast about podcasting. When I started back in 2010, I thought the market of podcasts about podcasting was mostly saturated with two podcasts about podcasting. And in case you're wondering, those were Podcast Answer Man and School of Podcasting. Those were still actively running podcasts about podcasting back then. But I didn't let that deter me because I was confident that I had something to say that no one else was saying. Plus, I believed that I had a perspective and an approach to the content and a style that was unique from everyone else. And so I started the Audacity to Podcast. And it was that uniqueness that inspired me to start, that has kept me going. And it's most likely that uniqueness that keeps you listening to the Audacity to Podcast. That uniqueness for me is that I go deep into single topics in each episode and explore a topic from multiple perspectives or give you multiple options and explore things, really in-depth approach to the content. And I come from a public speaking background and a design and art background and a creative background. And these things shape my opinion. They shape the way that I present the information. Be unique by being yourself. Copycats come and go or they will never go anywhere. Be yourself. Don't try to copy someone else. And I've seen the copycats come and go. I see people trying to copy Dave Jackson, Ray Ortega, Cliff Ravenscraft, or myself with podcasts about podcasting. And they often don't get very far because they're trying to copy us. They're saying the exact same things as we are. They're giving the same exact information or the same, trying to have the same perspective as we are. And they're not getting very far with it. But the other podcasts about podcasting that are getting far are those that do have a unique approach to the content. 
just, I'm going to name only one example here because my first thought when this podcast launched was, oh, another podcast about podcasting. But then I very quickly saw the branding for the podcast and realized, ooh, that's a nice niche within a niche of podcast about podcasting. And that was my friend Brian from ProfitCast. And his podcast about podcasting is focused on profiting from your podcast, not just from money, but profiting in other ways like relationships and opportunities, things that you can profit from in having your podcast and just the personal growth aspect of it. So all kinds of profit from your podcast. That's what ProfitCast is all about. And Brian, I think, is doing a great job with that show. So yes, it's another podcast about podcasting, but he's not a copycat. He's being completely unique. I know that's redundant, but he's being himself. He has his own approach. And from the beginning, he has his own approach. So do be unique. Pursue that uniqueness. Pursue what is you. Pursue your own approach. But yes, if you're doing something that's in the same industry as someone else, then you're probably going to run into a conflict in your mind. And that is that you'll find some similarities. But don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of talking about the same topic as someone else because you'll have a different approach. Dave Jackson, Cliff Ravenscraft, uh, Mike Dell, and a couple other podcasts about podcasting were talking about Adelo around the same time as each other. And I came in with my episode about Adelo and I believe my episode was completely different from them. Dave Jackson's was completely different. Cliff Ravenscraft's commentary on Adela was completely different from everyone else's. So we were talking about the same thing. That's the similarity, but from different perspectives. That's the uniqueness. The fear that I had for the first couple or few years in my podcast really did cripple me in many ways. I am now happy to say that I'm great friends with some of my biggest, quote, competitors, unquote, Cliff Ravenscraft, Dave Jackson, John Lee Dumas, and several others. I value these friendships so much that I've actually hurt my own business by not wanting to do anything too similar to them. What was I thinking? That kind of thinking, by the way, would have meant that today we'd never have Wendy's or Burger King or Sonic or In-N-Out all of these other restaurants that might have seen, oh, there's a McDonald's. Bummer. Someone else is making a burger. I don't think we could do anything else because we'll never succeed because someone else is making a burger. Now, these other companies exist and people are big fans of these other companies. I Personally, I don't like McDonald's that much. Their fries are pretty good and some of their other stuff, but their burgers, I don't like their burgers that much. Burger King, don't like their burgers much. Wendy's, I kind of like their burgers, but the last time I had one, I was actually quite disappointed. I guess I'm getting more gourmet in my burger taste due to being spoiled by my own burger grilling. I have a secret recipe, and no, I'm not even going to give it to my email subscribers. Sorry. (laughs) Now, I see these friends. Yes, I have to acknowledge that, yes, we are technically competitors, But we're not rivals. We are friends. We do collaborate on things. Cliff Ravenscraft and I live close together right now. We're only about 15 minutes away. And we've commonly met together, had lunch, shared some ideas, given and received some uh, feedback. And there are ways that we help each other. 
even though we are technically competitors. Dave Jackson and Ray Ortega and I collaborate together on Podcasters Roundtable, and we have a blast with that. We don't see each other as competitors, or rivals, rather. We do acknowledge that, yes, if that person hires you, that means they might not hire me. But also, we really are honest in recognizing that, well, that person might not have hired me anyway, because maybe they just plain don't like me. They don't like my style. They don't like my price. They don't like the service that I offer. They want the service that you offer, the price you offer, the personality, the perspective that you offer, or the schedule even that you offer. There have been several people that I've had to refer over to uh, to Dave or others just because I didn't have the time for it. I couldn't make my schedule meet with their schedule. So we're not rivals, but there are some ideas that I've held back on because I didn't want to compete with my friends. And that's where that fear of similarity was crippling me. Now, I think I'm mostly over that fear because I realized that other people do want to hear that kind of content from me, from my voice. And I don't want to have to keep giving caveats when I send people to somewhere else. I could say, oh yeah, if you want to learn how to podcasting, then go here, but I don't recommend this. And when they say this, just ignore that because really you should be doing it this way. Or I think you should use this equipment instead of that equipment. That starts to get really messy and just confusing for the person. So like Pat Flynn, who went through Cliff's podcasting A to Z course, Pat Flynn made his own podcasting tutorial just because he wanted it in his own voice for his own audience. I realize I need to have something in my own voice for my own audience or my potential audience that really gives all of my recommendations for podcasting. So will you see me offer something that's equivalent or in some way a competitor to Podcasting A to Z, Podcasters Paradise, School of Podcasting, or any other premium podcasting community or course? Maybe. Maybe not. But I would only pursue these if I know that they would work for me, not just because I see them working for someone else. I don't, I'm not setting out to be the same as someone else. That would be the wrong perspective. I would want to set out to be unique, but not let the fear of similarity cripple me and prevent me from accomplishing something. There are many other people out there teaching podcasting consulting on podcasting, making products and services for podcasters. And I'm not in the space because I see other people succeeding. I'm in the space because I want to help people succeed and I want to put my voice out there. I feel like I have a perspective that can be helpful and I feel like I've got something to say in the space. And until I have nothing more to say in the space, I will continue helping people launch and improve their own podcasts and releasing some really cool things coming up in the future I'm really excited about. That is number four, pursue uniqueness, but don't fear similarity. And number five, focus on relationships. To be fully transparent with you, I don't consider myself to be a relationship-focused guy. It's easy for me to be alone, and that has with it many challenges, I'm kind of an intro extrovert. I can flip back and forth really between them. And I'm kind of in the middle of right brain, left brain and auditory and visual. It's kind of weird and 
conflicting sometimes for me. And it presents plenty of struggles of its own on that. But I do now realize, especially while I've been a week and a half without my wife, I've been home alone and haven't been this way for years since getting married. And I realize now, like they say, you don't realize what you have until you lose it. Some of the best things, actually the greatest things in my life have come as a result of my relationships. My relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with old friends, my relationships with new friends, and more. From a business perspective, I see my audience and profits grow the most when I work within relationships, either relationships that I already have or new relationships that I seek to make. But it's not all just about business, and relationships shouldn't be just about business. From a personal perspective, I get more from conferences like Podcast Movement. By the way, use the promo code NOODLE to save on your purchase for Podcast Movement. I'm really looking forward to be there. But I get more from conferences like that by talking to the people who are there. Sometimes that is talking from the stage, and I do really enjoy public speaking. I've enjoyed it for many years. I've been public speaking since I was, I think, 13 years old. I really enjoy it. But certainly, I always get something from the conversations that happen in the hallways, over meals, or escaping to that one little corner somewhere where the party music isn't deafening and we can actually hear each other and hear ourselves think. I love meeting up with old friends. I love turning existing acquaintances into friendships. And I love meeting new people when we know that we have these common interests, especially with podcasting, something I'm very passionate about. And I know that you're passionate about the topic that you're podcasting about. If you're not, then pick a different topic. These relationships matter a lot from a personal perspective. I enjoy receiving and I enjoy giving in these relationships. I enjoy the conversations. My advice to you is don't get so focused on podcasting that you forget the relationships around you. Here's the order of things. And I know you may disagree with some of this, but here's... This is the way I really see it working for the professional, successful people. If you're a Christian, then your number one priority should be a relationship with God. I am a Christian. And I don't say this to be preachy, to shove the Bible down your throat or anything like that. But I think we can all agree that the whole world would be a much better place if Christians truly acted like God calls us to act. Not to be judgmental on other people and and condemning other people for sins, because after all, according to the Bible, we're just as guilty of God's judgment, regardless of what sin we commit. So it's stupid of Christians really to say, you're going to hell because of that sin, when really the truth is, well, (laughs) as I believe, I would have been going to hell too for a completely different sin. And it doesn't matter what the sin is, really. So I think your relationship with God should be your number one priority, and that should affect everything else in your life. As a Christian, I try to make that affect my life, where I treat others with love, where I respect others, where I recognize that others are unique, created beings, created by God. And the Bible says that the world will know I'm a Christian by my love for other people. And I don't say that to be preachy, but just to be authentic and transparent with you. Maybe overly so. 
That's okay. If you have family, they are your next priority. Your spouse first. I do truly believe your spouse needs to be first, then your kids, then your other extended family. These relationships may not at first seem to support your podcast or your business, but I hope you're in business to support these vital relationships. I hope you have that business because you want to be with your family or you're pursuing a better income so that you and your family can be in a better place or maybe not so stressed on things. But it's really not about the money. It's not about the hobbies. Certainly, though, the support we get from these relationships does drive our creativity. Because I think if you've been in any kind of close relationship, especially a marriage, then you can probably agree with this. When stuff isn't right at home, it's really hard to be productive anywhere else because that, that crucial relationship is in turmoil and that just hangs over us like a heavy burden and affects everything else that we do. So if you want to be more productive, hey, this is a tip maybe for Beyond the To-Do List, Eric Fisher's podcast over at beyondthetodolist.com. If you want to be productive, have better relationships with other people around you. When you have those business relationships, though, look for ways that you can work together for mutual success, not just for your own success, but to help each other succeed. I had a great conversation with Chris Brogan that will be coming out soon in a future episode of the Audacity Podcast, where we talk about pet peeves of podcast interviewees. And Chris is such a gracious guy. It was wonderful to have him on the podcast. And I know it was kind of a challenge for us to talk about pet peeves because he is such a kind guy. But in that, and the whole reason I was inspired to have Chris on the podcast was because of an incident that happened with him where a podcaster was basically nagging him, asking Chris to help that other podcaster when that other podcaster wasn't really doing anything to help Chris. It's the wrong way to look at these things. Look for ways that you can work together or that you can support each other for mutual success. That's what JV or joint venture is all about, is that you're joining together for mutual benefit, not just one person benefiting and the other not. That is my tip number five, which is really the most important tip. I save the best for last. Focus on relationships. So these five lessons from my five years of professional podcasting, number one, set goals and make plans. Number two, monetize early. Number three, respect other perspectives. Number four, pursue uniqueness, but don't fear similarity. And number five, focus on relationships. You may be wondering then, since the Audacity Podcast is now five years old, how am I going to be changing it? Well, I think I'm always looking for ways to improve the Audacity Podcast. And I don't just wait until milestones to look for ways to improve, like milestone number two, episode number 200, or five years in, or so many subscribers, or something like that. I'm not waiting for certain milestones to improve things. One of the things that you may notice that I've changed is I give a little teaser before I start the intro music, and I think that's a way that I've improved the podcast. I also try to get into the content of the episode even more quickly than before. And there are other things that I do trying to improve my own podcasting and improve my business from my podcast. And if you want to know what might be coming in the future, not just because I've hit five years, but other things, because I've come to this revelation of where I really want to go with my business and with my podcasting. If you're really interested in that, then the people who will learn about it first 
are my email subscribers. So go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash five years, and there's a link to subscribe to the email list over there. And you can even get a free little bonus if you subscribe to the email list. And I'll eventually ask my email subscribers for some feedback on their ideas or what their needs are. And I will soon be asking for feedback through a survey that I'll be sending out to my email subscribers, as well as asking you to complete here in the podcast. So I'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on these lessons I've shared, and maybe what have been some of your lessons that you've learned from podcasting, taking it seriously, either as a hobby or as part of your business. Please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash five years. Thank you to several people who wrote kind reviews for me in iTunes. Internet Marketing Minutia said, you want Daniel in your corner when you need someone to defuse a complicated bomb. In this case, that bomb is technology and how it relates to podcasting. The Audacity to Podcast podcast has seriously expanded to contain guidance, reviews, and commentary beyond its double entendre-laden crest. Thank you very much, Internet Marketing Minutia, for that kind review. And also, Anna Mockery said, this show is plush with tips and practices that I will attempt to apply to our efforts. Thank you very much for that. And I hope that you are getting something from every episode. Jessica Morehouse from Canada said, great quality, helpful tips, and easy to listen to. Highly recommend this show to anyone thinking of starting their own podcast. Thank you very much, Jessica. And Henry Jasper from Voices That Carry said, thanks for helping me get the tools I need to have a great podcast. Thank you very much, Henry, for that. Thank you for your kind iTunes reviews. They really mean a lot to me and they help other people find the podcast as well. If you'd like to write a review, then please go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher. And when you write your review, this is very important, please leave your real name in the review and the URL or name of your podcast. That way I can link to you in the show notes like I did with Henry's podcast where I can link straight to it because he left that in his review. And if you want your own podcast reviews automatically emailed to you on a weekly, monthly, or even daily basis, then go to mypodcastreviews.com. It's now trusted by over 600 podcasters, tracking more than 45,000 podcast reviews. Check it out at mypodcastreviews.com and sign up for the premium plan over there. Also, I want to say a special thank you to the nearly 200 people who watched my free webinar recently, Three Ways to Make Your Podcast Findable and Stand Out. The webinar replays are no longer available, but you can still get all of that information and much more in my complete SEO for Podcasters course, which teaches you how to make your podcast findable and grow your audience. It's a complete course on search engine optimization, but more than that, how to get people who find your site to convert to subscribers, how to get them to press that play button or to subscribe to your email list or purchase your product or send you feedback, how to make your podcast stand out and rank better in iTunes and in Google searches, how to dominate that first page of Google, how to leverage other platforms for growing your audience and becoming more of an authority with your podcast and how to take advantage of some of the platforms that only podcasters get to take advantage of, and much more. That's at theaudacitypodcast.com slash SEO, or the link to that is in the show notes for this episode at 
com slash five years. I've got a lot of other cool stuff coming for the Audacity Podcast, so make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes, on Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player of choice, and please write a review there if you appreciate the content. Let me know how I can help you in podcasting, and if you need some one-on-one consulting or need help fixing something with your podcast, then please email me, feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com. If you have some feedback that you'd like me to address in an episode of the Audacity to Podcast, then you can call 903-231-2221 and leave a short voicemail there or send a voice message right through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Here's to another five years of podcasting. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network, also celebrating its fifth birthday. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.